You want a song real quick? We don't have to sing in tune cause we get paid to drink. (laughs) (laughs) That needs to be our intro right there. I believe that is. I love it. That's it. My name is Jesse Hill. And I am Hank Berman. And welcome to the High Note Podcast. Hey, Hank, how you doing? I'm good, Jesse. How are you? Wonderful. And we are graced with his presence, Mr. Thomas Edwards, right? Yes. Awesome. How you doing, bud? Where is he? <laughs> I'm, I'm well, thank you. Good. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to have you on the show. I've actually heard your name many times. My dad, I believe, has seen you play guitar. and he's Everyone's seen Thomas yeah, play guitar. Yeah. He's, he, he was always inspired. Because I remember when I was starting to get the guitar, and of course, we're scouting and looking at things, like he always, I remember hearing your name. So uh, you have a very well-known uh, reputation. Thomas was playing well since he was 12. Wow. I mean, you've, you've been, is that when you started playing guitar? 10. 10. So not professionally till 12. Uh, probably. Somewhere in there, you know. <laughs> well, Thomas and I go way back, uh, Little League Baseball and uh, school, Plexi High School as well, and uh, I remember you always had bands in school, and and uh, I remember the talent shows and stuff. And you 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 sounded great then, and you sound even greater now. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. So I want to kind of get into your story. Um, you know, somebody like you, like where where were you? What inspired you to get into music? But then also, how did you you know uh, build a reputation of being? I would say one of the greater guitar players on the Gulf Coast. What? <laughs> uh, there was a song, uh, G-L-O-R-I-A, Gloria, and that rhythm, and that that was... That's what, what hit you? I, yeah, I like that. Which version did you like best? Was it the, the Van Morrison, uh, them version, or the... The bubblegum. There was a bubblegum group, I remember. Probably a bubblegum. It yeah. was whatever might have been on the AM radio. Right, right. Well, are you from here, from the Gulf Coast originally? Um, since 63, my folks retired gotcha. at uh, Keesler. Okay, so you were a military family? Yeah. Awesome, awesome. About first grade, first wow. grade on. It's a lot different now, isn't it? Yeah. From back in the day. Quite a bit. <laughs> Tell us about your musical influences and how you got started playing the reasoning besides that song. I mean, were you like many of us, the Beatles and and all of that, or were you just something that you felt compelled to do is play an instrument? You were a drummer too, weren't you? Was, is is it over (laughs) with? Am I in the box already? You are a drummer as well, aren't you? Thank you. You Sorry. And a bass player. Yes. And, Castanets, you play a mean castanet. Not trying to stay away from that. Uh, kind of what got me started was not so much seeing the Beatles on TV or any of that, but it was the radio. We watched, we watched radio. <laughs> we listened to radio a lot, and probably the Kinks' greatest hits was the first album I bought. And I wore the grooves out on that, and I would just, uh, when we lived on base, 
I, I would open the window up and put the little record player up in the window and play it and kids would walk by and I'd be pretending I'm playing a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I was one of those kids walking by. So that's what I'm saying. Thomas was good from the beginning, man. Yeah. Well, he sounds just like Ray Davies. If you kind of practice your heroes, you might pick up something. Now, did you strictly learn by ear, or did you study or take lessons from I, someone? I had a good lesson teacher from Ed, forget his last name at the moment. Sorry, Ed. Uh, it was about a year and a half of lessons uh, when we were at Whirlines at the mall, and it was $3 for a half hour. Really? Yeah. Wow. Isn't that something? Well, I remember Carmen Massey downtown. That was on Howard. Yeah, right? yeah. That was that was like the hip store. That's where all uh, Pat Gill and all those guys, right. Artie Desport and uh, Substantial Evidence and all the the local bands at the time. That's that was the, the cool place to be. And I've always thought it was like a Back to the Future episode. If you could go back to Biloxi and walk into Carmen Massey and buy a 1964 Strat and put it away in a closet somewhere and. <laughs> Or buy a bunch of them, and I mean, the, that would be amazing. But or, anyway, or some tuck and roll custom amps. There you tuck. That's right. But the custom they, amps. They were the only store that carried those. So they carried Fender too, didn't they? Fender amps and stuff. I don't, I don't know. know. All you knew was the custom. I just saw. Wow, look at that. <laughs> that's great. What's your uh, just side note? What's your favorite instrument that you have? Like, what's your baby? Would you say? It's. Folks ask me that a lot. What do you like playing the best, you know? And it's whatever instrument's in my hand at that moment. That is my favorite instrument. I like that answer. Let's talk about some of the venues you played. What what's your what would you say is your favorite venue that you've played or are currently playing or The favorite that I've played recently is Ground Zero. There you go. Yeah, that's a good room. A real good room. I had a blast. Wow. Well, I was there. I opened up for you guys and uh you guys were on that night. You sounded good. Ty Taylor, you, Buddy, Dave. Yep. Oh, and that other guy, Billy. Somebody. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Billy. Billy Miller. <laughs> no, yeah, I saw the pictures. I, I couldn't go because I was out of town, but um, I did see the pictures. It, sounded, it looked like a really good turnout. Yep. It was a good turnout. It was for a good cause, too. It was a charity event. Good. And, uh, right. People brought uh, uh, gifts for children, had a box set up. and they got a, Ground Zero has really done well with... I always kept thinking like, okay, you're, you're building a place around entertainment, but it looks like they're, they're bringing in a lot of different acts. They are. And it looks like they're doing really good. Uh, you know, aside from having the rhythm and blues, I think it's a venue that will accept good entertainers, even if they're not playing rhythm and blues, as long as your customers sitting at the table, eating and drinking and looking at you are having fun and laughing occasionally. And that's kind of what it's all about is, awesome. is entertainment. The food is very good there. I enjoy the food very much there. Um, it's a it's a great sounding room as from a musician standpoint. The the PA mix back there mixing and uh, it's it just it has a real good sound to it. And people are always complimenting the sound in there. It's good. It's like a, a smaller version of a, a House of Blues to me. That kind of vibe and feel. But but yeah, you guys sounded really good. What about Back in the day, so to speak, when the days, uh, the 70s and stuff, when uh, late 60s, early 70s, like uh, the Fiesta, the Vapors clubs, those were two clubs that were really big on the coast, among others. Yeah, the the 
Vapors, I never visited. You never went in there? Never went in. Oh, man. See, Drinking with Lincoln, $5 all you can drink on a Tuesday with the worst (laughs) draft beer in the world. I was kind of a late bloomer. Oh, don't sell yourself short. You know, I started out on Pass Road. There was a little lounge on a Pass Road called the Sea Witch, and there was these old country guys in there and i went in with a little booster and plugged it in the pv amp and wow they were just <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember that one that see which got away from me that's the first time i've heard that so where was it at do you remember where it was on pass road um kind of where the new dominoes is now yeah right across from uh, uh, uh pass road by gate seven yeah yeah that area there was a mexican restaurant too one of the guys in our class played there Bob somebody I think and it was like probably making uh, two tacos a night or something him and uh, and a guy playing bass I, it, it doesn't matter but I remember those places there and I know yeah. I know what you're talking about I don't but I don't remember the, or, or the sea witch yeah interesting yeah that that's going way back <laughs> but you went in the fiesta though you, did you play in the fiesta uh played in the fiesta after its heyday okay when it had turned into a country bar oh that's right yeah what era was that whole country i remember it went from like rock to country what years are we looking at because i know what when the country kind of explode in yeah, the, the urban cowboy well thing w- it really that that took off and that kind of got everyone liking it but when garth brooks hit the stage that's when the gates opened up and the dogs went running. So is and, that the 80s? Is that it? That's in yeah, the 80s. Yeah, somewhere right? in there. It was not the old Fiesta Club, but that shotgun room next to it. Yes, I know what you're talking about. Well, for those of you who don't know about the Fiesta, Fiesta was a was a big establishment on the coast for music and dancing. It was uh, over by where Treasure Bay is. It was on the south side of Highway 90, and Jake Mladenich owned it, and his family had it for years. And a lot of working musicians, local musicians, as well as traveling musicians, played there and cut their teeth there. But it was a big room. It had two stages, I remember, and always something, always something going on at the fiesta. And in early days of like probably the late fifties, mid fifties, um, he would have customers like Robert Mitchum. Right. He would have movie stars coming in, and that was a a big, you know kind of backdoor gambling the coast you know yeah. you didn't go in but it was there right unspoken yeah and when you first walked in there was a there was a wall that had all those pictures of those movie stars and other people pictures of uh, from the 50s like what thomas is saying the the drag racing right in front of of the fiesta and that right. was like there was this one guy that was always in always in the picture i was like who is this guy he's always didn't come to find out it was jay cool in the place but uh yeah, it, it was legendary, legendary all over all over the country. Really, people knew if they knew about the coast, they knew about the Fiesta at the time. They knew about the Fiesta down in Biloxi, Mississippi. Oh, I love that Biloxi. Oh yeah, they still do it. They still say do. It. They still oh Weather Channel all the time. <laughs> so yeah, the hurricanes coming right up Biloxi. Um, or they, actually, they don't even say us anymore. It's usually the landmass. The landmass. Yeah, yeah the landmass. Yeah. So what do you, let me ask you something? What is your opinion on the direction of music today? I don't know if you listen to mainstream music or whatever, but um, from what you played and loved to now, like, how do you do? You feel like it's a, a necessary tra- trend, or I mean, I, I ask that for everybody. Like, what do you think the direction of music is going? Are you disappointed? Or are you like joyful? Like, what would you say? Well, 
let me preface it by saying that the majority of music I listen to is an hype is a, a an application of oldies rock. Gotcha. Anything that's kind of out there current, I kind of don't know about it gotcha. unless it goes through some filters somehow, and I luck up with it. Mm-hmm. I, I just look at from the point of view of live performing. Folks don't. Well, there there's uh, room for some more entertainment part of it mm-hmm. rather than just playing. And it's probably not the biggest answer you could get. But I think I, a, no, I like I, I think it's a general consensus because as as a as a working musician, you know you you want to be on top of uh, what people want to hear. I mean that's what you're doing, and so nowadays it seems like it's you know it's there isn't any real oh, cliche lack of a better word rock music out there that's that's really burning it like it did in classic rock you know whether it was you know in the in the 70s 80s 90s or the millennium so it's that's that that has changed a lot things things have kind of gotten watered down to where everything kind of sounds a lot like everything else Mm-hmm. True. So, would you say that it, it's, it lacks originality, or or do you think that it it's not that? It's just like okay, here's the formula, and that's what you try to keep I, I perpetuating. Think, I think that whatever the thumb is, that's on the creativity needs to come off. I'm not quite sure how to get that thumb off of everything. Are right. you talking about like cor- corporate, like corporate? It, it, could, it could be that it's just that everything is spoon fed. Yeah. Everyone's getting the same. That is true. You, That's you, true. You get the same. You get the same everywhere. You know, unlike in the '60s, uh, there was a Fred Zappa interview. He says, "Oh, we don't know what it is. Go ahead and release it." And that's when there was more freedom. Yeah. And and they had artist and repertoire. They'd give an artist time to develop. Well, now if unless you're ready to sell a half a million right now, they won't even fool with you. So it's just sales and and it's just whatever that thumb is, we could get that off. The things don't stick around either. Like they used to like, think about it. Like they, it's like, it's a cash cow business now. That's what it's come like. Okay. A song comes out. It's real popular. We're going to shove it down America's throat. They, they milk every penny they can get and they move on to the next thing. But that song in the next 30 to 40 years will not be right. Right. It's like sports, even if you compare it to sports, you know, uh, used to be whether it's baseball or whatever sport, professional sport in America, that a player would play his entire career with a certain team, whether it was the Yankees or the Celtics or whatever. And it kind of, to me, is a, a comparison with music. It's like maybe from the other side where they're just like what you were saying, Jesse, that, okay, you're not cutting it by, we'll cut you loose. And I think they, they kind of set up for the advent of things like YouTube, where there's people that, that have large followers that probably the record companies wouldn't have looked at or thought about. Right. And so they kind of groomed that. They kind of shot themselves in the foot because I was reading not too long ago about how the music industry, the recording industry, the, the record people, A&R and all that, that uh, they lost their butts this past year. And it's it's going to get worse because of that very that very reason. They're not cultivating. They're not allowing that freedom. I right. want you to do this. It's even if it, if it spills over to country music. To me, this is just my own opinion. You know, the music that I hear is like okay, 
let's see, there's Thomas and Jesse and some guy in a cubicle in Nashville. Or it doesn't even have to be there now. He can be in his house in Seattle. So, okay, what do they like? They like pickup trucks, that old joke thing, kind of, you know, American flag and all that stuff. So that they're formulating what they think you're, you're going to like. And they kind of take it away. Whereas when we talked about this before, people like Hank Williams and those other guys, you know, they wrote songs because they were heartbroken or because right. they were happy. It was right. the real thing. It wasn't a, a formula. Occasionally I'll stumble on some guys doing their stuff on YouTube and it's really good. Yes. Everything's good. It's just, I, I don't dedicate time to go out and find that. It's just, it's harder to, Yes, I just agree. just keeping track with me daily. <laughs> so what's going on nowadays? Like, what's your? Um, I see you play with with. Do you play with one band, several bands by yourself? Like, what would you? I I have always done my better work as being a part of a band, mm-hmm. kind of like a guy in the background. Um, so I play with anybody that'll hire me. There you go. <laughs> you know. What bands are you with now? Uh, the Rougarou. Um, let's see. No longer with Aerosmith. <laughs> uh, uh, the Rougarous, uh I've been doing a solo at a couple of Mexican restaurants. Nice. Good. Which was uh, Hank and I did MIDI. That's right. Hank, Hank was one of the first. First guys with MIDI. With that is true. Commodore sixty four. Oh my gosh! Yes, you know, it was like you talk wow. about wait time and those big floppy disks and all that stuff. But it was musical instrument digital interface is what MIDI stands for. Oh, and, I, I've always just known it as MIDI. Right. Yeah, well, but... it, it was an acronym for that. And um, I worked in, in Jackson. I worked at a, a, a well known music store up there. And right as that was coming out, and so I had that whole thing and had a rack the size of a coffin yeah. standing up because everything was monophonic there wasn't any polyphonic stuff with it right you had a rack i had a rack <laughs> i got one now but it's a different rack <laughs> but back then there was this thing and in fact they called it i played at david m's for bubba Matina on the beach behind take two and upstairs and the and uh, those poor guys the the barbacks would have to take they called it the coffin i think and take it up there and it weighed a ton it was just a lot and now you got it on your ipad you got everything there even even your amp simulation, which is, you got to embrace technology f- for the good. In a lot of ways, it's not good, but in that respect, it's pretty cool. One night, I was carrying these really I call them heavy uh, lollipop speakers. That's what I've always called them. But it's the big heavy speakers that sit on a tripod. Yes, you have to lift them up. And, and so I'm leaving somebody's house, and my dad has a speaker. I have a speaker. I'm walking down. And I trip. Oh, no. And I just, I take the speaker and I throw it as far as I can because I don't want to land on me or my dad. But then I look, my dad's still on at the same time. So he's he's throwing it. Oh. And then we landed and we looked at each other. We weren't hurt. We were just like, wow. We were, it was dark. So none of the guests saw. They were all drunk. They all were <laughs> upstairs. And we were just like looking at each other. And I said, yep, I'm going to go ahead and invest in that Bose system. Yep. Like, I'm, I, I can't do this anymore. Well, Thomas was one of the first people that I remember that had that Bose system. Really? Yeah. That was... It's a light, it's game changer. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And now EV makes them and a lot of different companies mm-hmm. make them. I mean, they, they were the forerunners and all that stuff. But I remember Thomas having that and the sub, the sub underneath. And I was just like going, wow, that is so cool. I have to get me one. And I did. And Thomas cost me 22. Two. Yeah. You had two of them. Two subs. Yeah. yeah. Two there subs. Two of them. That's right. Yeah. It saved a lot of backs and a lot of like what you're talking about falling down and what could have been a horrible 
situation, a disaster, not only for you and the speakers, but for the guests. I think Kevin, it was on the coast where they like to have a good time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was, I've, I've learned uh, to always, you know, the best thing when it comes to music is if you can focus more on the music versus the chords and the, the speakers and things like that, like yeah. I've learned that I really enjoy it when I can just walk in there and, and do my thing. I really love that. I mean, I enjoy the part of like getting something new and like trying it out. Sure, but, we're, but we're children at heart. We are. But like last night, I played with Billy, our friend, our good friend Billy Miller, and um, that was a game changer for you. <laughs> oh, I played with Billy before. He's he's great. <laughs> he's great. But but this is what happened. I came in and I had uh, I have a couple systems, and this is the smaller system that I, we were at the White House. He does it with Brennan Roybal every Wednesday, and uh, I. My my uh, my mic wasn't working. Nothing was working, and I couldn't understand where it had just worked the gig before when I used it. Now, did they have a house system or no? No, it was it was my system, oh, gotcha, but I could. Gotcha. So then you have to start, you know, trying to figure out what's not working. Where where is it broke down the thing? It was a mic cord that uh, uh, XLR that went from the speaker to the to the PA head, and I was like, it was. That's one of those things. That's why you always have backup, and I did. But it's like those little gremlins get in there and they start gnawing at something or chewing it up. It's like it worked one day and the next day it didn't. Nothing had changed. No, it's, it's, it's really weird. Eddie Electron is a fickle friend. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. He's an auto, your car, your truck, your house. Yeah. You got to treat him nice because he'll get back at you. Mm. That's true. I have the worst luck with my cords as of late because I use those old jazz mics and it's always like, I'm I'm moving my microphone around, and I guess I'm just tugging on that cord ever so slightly, and then I'll get up to a gig, and it's like I'll be singing, and it'll go, and I'll get that, and I'm like, oh no, and then it gets to the point where I can't touch my mic because right. I'm like, okay, if I it's move working. my mic here, right, it's going to shut off, and it's right. going to make a really weird noise. So, and like my mic, my mic stand's kind of like my thing, like I like to move around with it, and so now sometimes I have to sit there and just sing, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get this done so I can go get a new mic cord. Right. Well. Buy them by the gross. That's put right. Them up, put them up. I'll come see you since you buy them by the gross. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that. We'll we'll give you a complimentary one, courtesy of the show. There we go. There we go. We can I'll, actually. I'll take this one right here. <laughs> and I'll be on my way. <laughs> Once you be thinking about advice to give up and coming and young musicians or people who are interested in music, and from your experience, what would you tell them? Uh, well. I'd tell them first, keep an eye on your money. Okay. Second would uh, be if you decide to have some kind of a drink of alcohol, be careful. Be real careful. And third, if you if you play an instrument, uh, you don't have to be Bruce Lee good on it, but get to where you know when you're doing something right and when you're not. Like if you're playing a chord on your keyboard and if you all the time hitting a note with your finger that's not supposed to be there, stop doing that. If you play guitar and you're playing a chord and it doesn't need the low strings to be ringing, don't play them. Right. Because um, every little thing will help out. And then... Uh, don't concentrate solely on your music and the song you're playing. You want to look into your audience's eye 
Because if you're talking and playing to them, you can be playing really good and you can just stink. And they're still going to love you because you're making a little connection with things. It's a very good point. Very, it's a very point. good point. They're there to be entertained one way or the other. And that, these days, as y'all know, they don't see me, but, you know, you show up. I remember when Wi-Fi was first coming out, we're playing a gig in Ocean Springs, and people are bringing their laptops to the bar and sitting them down. Right. And I was just saying to myself, yeah, you're really going to have to do something else to entertain folks because it's, uh, it's constant. Go to a concert. Everyone's sitting there looking at their right. phone. Yep. Oh, take my picture and all that, you know, so... Try and connect with somebody. Try and look in their eyes and sing to them. Get them to laugh. There you go. I, I sing in a lot of restaurants, and I'll notice, like, a couple will come on their anniversary dinner, and they'll sit there. And until the food gets in there, they're just, like, in their phone. And I'm like, yeah. wow. Yeah. Like, it's sometimes. You're you know, right. It's, it's, it's the way of the world. A, a friend of mine many, many years ago, um, because we've all been in this as working musicians, it seems like they're just not listening to you. I mean, there's those instances where that happens. People go to bars for different reasons. It, I don't think it's that they're not listening to you. They just have too many more options. I, I, that's, that's a very good point. And, and, and they're in the habit early on from taking these options. Yes. At the restaurant last night, table of about eight or nine, family, and there's three or four youngsters, I guess maybe first grade or younger. All of them have a tablet. Yeah. Instead of talking to Aunt Jenny or somebody or behave yourself, y'all have fun and interact with each other. They got a tablet. But that's hustle because of mom and dad, a way of keeping them shut up, keeping them occupied so they're not crawling under the table and they're, that, that, that mom and dad doesn't have to deal with it, which is a slippery slope. But, yes, you're absolutely it's, right. It's, uh, you know. It's the way of the world. It's, uh. It's just a, a rough game to be in. It these is. Days. It is. What I was going to say earlier about about when they don't appear to be listening to you, and you made a good point with that, was my friend said, always watch their feet. He said, if you watch their feet, a lot of them will be tapping, which means they're talking to other people. They're doing something, but they are hearing the music. Something's getting through. So it's getting through. Exactly. Right. And that's been a rule of thumb. That's cool. I like that. I'm going to start doing that. Yes. And that, and that was, he was spot on. A friend of mine, Ron Lukens, I played with him many years ago. But he, he, we were in the same, it was like, just like Thomas, just like you, Jesse. But it was the same thing. And I have done that since then. And it's true. It'll, it'll pick you up. It'll make you feel better. I want to try something real quick. This is just, humor me for a second. I want to do five questions. Oh. Five questions with Thomas. And Ooh. what I want is, I'll ask a question. He'll answer it while you're thinking of your next question. Just five questions. Something simple, something broad, nothing too complicated. Question number one, what is your favorite instrument of all time? <laughs> Drums, keys, like, you know. Uh, it's going to be guitar because it was a G-L-O-R-I-A. All I could do was da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I could take my first finger and just bar across. I didn't know anything. Right. Fender or Gibson? Both are great. Apples and oranges, right? If 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 it stays in tune, and if I can get a, what I need out of it, it's great. Fender or Gibson, it it doesn't matter. This is going to be a hard one. 
but I'm, I have a feeling I know what it's going to be called. What's your favorite song? Uh, I. G L O R I. Uh, that is a tough that's question. That's a tough one. Mine's you don't know me by Ray Charles. This is, so that's straight up all the time. What? Your favorite song. Yes, because I've had that question to me a lot. What's your favorite thing yeah. to sing? What's your favorite song? And it's like, you don't know me by Ray Charles. I just like singing yeah, it. Great, I like listening Kenny to Kenny Loggins it. did a really it, cool it, version. It just it relaxes me. So Now, a lot like the guitar that's in my hand is a favorite one. The favorite one that's in my mind at the moment is... I'm so glad we had this time <laughs> together just to have a laugh and sing a song. You know more than I do. I just know that first line. Seems we just get started and before you know it, it's time for us to say so long. That one or Happy Trails would be the same thing? Not at this moment. <laughs> See, people ask me that too. I guess that's a question that people are curious about. And to me, it, if I'm happy, it's a particular song. If I'm not happy, if I'm pondering something or whatever, it depends on my mood. It's my favorite song. Because music to me, as you guys too, but I can't answer that question like you guys did. But it just it encompasses so much of who you are, and especially in the moment. True. Now, I will tell you, at an early age when I lived at Keesler is uh, when Deep Purple had the song Hush. Dun, dun, Great hush, song. And that really got me walking down the sidewalk. Like, it was like. Still uh, one of the most classic organ solos ever, John Lord playing that solo. And and you were talking about the Kinks and, and like Deep Purple. They're, those were the guys that pushed the envelope. It went from being kind of that poppy thing to like that driving right. beat. It was like, like you said, got you walking down the street. It was like just this energy, this strong, but hush. Yeah, I, I, even now, all these years later, when I hear it coming on, whatever I'm listening to, it's like I'm right back to that. Yeah, rock and roll. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh. Like uh, the, the kinks, you really got me. da 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 da, da. And then right. and Van Halen did a killer version of it too, but because it had that energy. And what that howling was, for those that don't know, that was the intro to that song. Mm -hmm. I was driving home from Mobile last night and I heard that. Up goes the volume. There you go. Yeah. I'm going to have to listen to that. Oh, it's great. It's really, really What's the one that everybody knows about Deep Purple? Turn, turn, oh, turn. Smoke on the Water. Yes, yeah. Smoke on the Water is a great story. I, yes, didn't, I didn't know it was true until about the I, burning down in right, Montreux. Right. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So that's actually based on a true story? It's a true story. What? It's a very, in fact, he, they sing about uh, Frank Zappa and the Mothers uh, are mentioned in the song. It's, 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 it's just saying what happened. It's a three-minute documentary yep. that will be better than any documentary you ever had before video because you had to see it when you're listening to the words yeah you're uh, you're you're uh i'm gonna have to now i always thought that was just like i just like the guitarist so i'm like into well, yeah. it and, but now i have to listen to the words and be like all right i'm gonna yeah. learn something today yeah yeah that's that's true that's right I, I remember that reading about it and then listening to it going yeah that's exactly what it is what was the first Careful now. <laughs> Careful, Hank. Easy boy. The first 
club that you, or bar that you ever played in? Was it the Sea Witch or was it that you were talking about earlier or was it something that we would know uh, or maybe some wouldn't know, but all of us older people? Um, first kind of gig was Catholic CYO there, okay. over in Lyman or somewhere north of Gulfport mm-hmm. or west. Didn't play too many clubs. Yeah. It was uh, when I finally... Probably the first major club would be the Tiki. Yeah, right. With Nicholas. Yeah, I remember that. But Thomas, you've also played all over the country. You, I remember you left and went up to the East Coast, right, with Ted Tierce and yep, a great guitar player back in the day. Ted Tierce, uh, a.k.a. Emmett Dooley. Emmett Dooley. And Scott A. Terrace, um, Mike Smith, and me. And we had a uh, a sound technician and a light technician. And we had all been getting together at this establishment known as Billy's Hole in the Wall. And once again, Billy Miller. And, uh, you know, drinking beverages and other stuff that was, you know, enhancing our happiness at the moment and the six of <laughs> the six of us put together a plan to go up to new england and the band we spent that summer writing original material i was about to get into that if you about original. And, and so we we would play an hour set of covers and then an hour of originals and then an hour of covers how did they go over well, let me get to <laughs> let me get to the trip up there. So, we've got a sound tech and a light tech, and we've been really hammering it out at Billy's Hole in the Wall, and we're all ready. So we pool our money, take two vehicles and a five by eight trailer, travel for a couple of days to get up there, and the plan was we had six weeks of work booked. And we were going to work the six weeks and then come back home and rehome what was going on. So we get up there, and we finally find the guy that's booked us. And he's now at a realty office, and it's uh, he's looking at the six of us. And we haven't showered or shaved in a couple of days. And he goes, boys, I don't know what to tell you, but I don't have any work for you. Oh, no. And so uh, Emmett with a booking agency uh, that he had dealt with that guy found us some work and the first gig was at a frat house party oh in in one of those colonial three-story homes that was large right and uh while we're setting everything up it becomes obvious that the the pa guy doesn't really know how to set up <laughs> pa oh, stuff no. Oh, no and the light guy was well didn't really know a whole lot. <laughs> were these just a couple of guys that just happened to be drinking at Billy's well, Hole in the Wall yeah, while you guys were? Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to mention the no, no, the, any names. No, no, but, of course uh, not. But we were only fr- when it's a good thing. We were friends with the uh, sound tech and placed some trust when I'd actually played music with him. So I kind of knew him and figured, well, he's talking like he knows what he's doing. He probably knows what he's doing, you know. So we get up there, and the light guy and the sound guy don't know anything, so I'm setting everything <laughs> up. Jeez. 
we play the gig, and of course, you know, they had plenty of tap beer and everything else. And then when we're tearing down, I just remembered, I will always remember this, was the tripod of Fresnel's. Yeah, the lights. The glass ones. Oh, no. You know, I just remember seeing the tripod. Yeah. Oh, no. And so that's kind of how <laughs> that started out. Welcome to the music biz. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know. Oh, no. It, it, if I could get a screenplay together, how not to go about being a rock star. Oh, man, you can make that into like a, a series. Yeah. That'd be cool. Your YouTube series. Yeah, man. You'd Just, have millions of wannabes and older musicians that have been there going, yes, that's what happens. That can happen. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah that's was, funny. I say I always, like, with my videography and stuff, like, I'm always like, you know, you got to do it. So fake it till you make it sometimes. Yeah. And there's, like, that light guy and that PA guy was faking it until they maybe made it, maybe not. <laughs> it, it was... It would take another podcast to continue <laughs> that story. Well, I, I, I don't know about Jesse. I, I, I'm not sure. I probably, I won't tell my story right now because I have to edit it in my head as to my first gig and how I got my first gig. But uh, Jesse, you, you just kind of did it I the, started the out, right way. I started at Alfresco's down here. Oh, yeah. In Ocean Springs. Yeah. The owner of Alfresco's, my dad was working for him, and I think I'm I, we agreed to tips. I mean, just plenty yeah. of tips because I was just trying it out and started there. And then, uh, and then I, I, that was my first gig. That's the dumpster. Uh, that was my first gig. And then I, it's kind of like a movie scene when you think about it. There's a place called Capone's down here. Yeah. And there was Chef Danny Rodriguez, love her death. Get, I'll go there. And uh, it's raining. It's pouring down. And I'm like this sopping wet kid. Oh, I was like, hey, you know, I sing music that probably would fit well in this establishment. I would love to let you, you know, show you. She goes, well, how about you come back tomorrow? And, you know, I think she said, I'll give you a hundred bucks. And I was like, I'm in high school. Yeah. hundred bucks. Like, Let's do it. And, uh, and so I get there. And then that night there was a trio couple, uh, that were having dinner and they all came up to me. It's like, hey, there's this party I want you to play at. See, and, that's. And then that party exploded me into several That's different great. directions so like i said every gig is a trial for another gig so yeah take thomas's words when it comes to you know oh yeah know your stuff but also you know be if you want something to drink be careful <laughs> that's true well that's a beautiful story and, and i think i've edited mine in my head where i can say it enough it was a club in gulfport about i don't know 20 miles from here maybe that'll tell you how far my career has taken me 20, hey, 20 miles east. This, but, this is where it's at. Tell you. So I had been wanting to play in clubs and wanted to play bars. I wanted to play as a working musician, and that was the way to do it. So I had bought this PA and um, a Yamaha board and these Heil speakers, and I was just waiting waiting for the opportunity to come up because I was very shy and very introverted and at the time, believe it or not. And I had a girlfriend who worked at this uh, store that had um, – a furniture store, but in the middle of it, they had records, 45s, and that's where all the musicians, I don't know if I told you this, had 45s, and that's where all the musicians went to get it, because that's how you learn the songs back then, or off an album, and it was cheaper to buy the 45s if you couldn't afford that $4.99 album back then. So anyway, so she was connected ownership with 
that one and something else had this own this place. And so she called me and said that the guy that was supposed to play couldn't make the gig. This is your chance. I've, I've told him about you. And of course, nobody knew who I was. And so um, I went to audition and I got the gig, but they were asking me these really crazy, they were messing with me like, uh, can you play any Tom Waits, like uh, some piano jazzy thing Tom Waits does. I just play the acoustic guitar, you know, that's it. So I get the gig that weekend for $35 a night, I got the gig. And I was really proud of myself. A guy came in because I didn't know how to work the PA. I was like your guy up in New England. I didn't know how to work it. <laughs> so he's showing me, he says, Hank, you mind if I help you? And he's showing me the little nine band EQ, the smiley face that you make, right. you know, with bass and lower your mids and uh, 220. And uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm scared. I, I'm proud of myself. I go home. I, I told her, I said, yeah, man, I thought, thank you. You got me working. Well, come to find out the reason why I got the gig was because she was having an affair with the guy. So that was welcome to the music world in hey, every hey. sense of it. So your story, Jesse, hey. is beautiful. <laughs> Good. Thomas, you were out there trying, and me, it was me. Question. Yes. I was a banker before I said, hey, I want to be a musician. What were you? Uh, I went to college for 20 minutes to get a <laughs> banking and finance degree which is really amazing because i hate numbers and being a musician the great thing is you only have to count to four for the most part yeah uh but i worked in shrimp factories dejan's on the beach and i worked at another one but dejan's was really good to me you work 16 all the people out there that know what it's like to work at a shrimp factory especially on the mississippi coast back there or any of them louisiana texas uh worked your butt off. I mean, it was like 16 hour work weeks and you go home and you'd sleep a little bit and come back during the season, during the off season, you're making cat poop. I'm getting ahead of myself. The reason why I bring that up is because that enabled me to buy my first good guitars. I bought a Martin acoustic and I bought a Rickenbacker 360. Yeah, otherwise, because you were making, it was big money back then. You, you worked for it, but that was what I did before I started putting. And then I worked at a music store, record store. So I was getting discount on my records thomas what were you doing i don't know <laughs> you've always done this i've kind of done this and i've done uh odd jobs you know i've worked for aphis with the air force uh, didn't you drive a truck for a bit after katrina yeah uh the music it was hard everything yeah dried up and so yeah. um i at that time i I had worked security over at Target in Mobile, and I would come over here to Biloxi and play casinos when I'd have work. But Katrina um, kind of got rid of all that when she came in and rearranged the furniture. Um, that she did. So I took uh, 18-wheeler driving lessons. and I God did, bless you. I did that for about two years. Uh, thankfully for, for me, I've been an odd job kind of guy, but if, if not for my mother, uh, always having a warm wing for me to come back and get under and be okay, you know, I would not be here. So I'm grateful. Yeah. Your mother was a great person. I remember meeting her many, many times. So I don't know what I did before I did all this. I just... Hey, you're, you were born a musician. I mean, that's a. That's I a, believe Thomas was for sure. Yeah. I mean, 
you told me a story one time years ago, high school or whatever, when you were trying to fight a, a guitar amp walking down the road with it, and it somebody was, gave you a ride that we knew. And uh, when when Biloxi High uh, was on Father Ryan Avenue, and I had a, a Fender Vibrolux amp that weighed about a thousand pounds, and a silver tone head with a six ten cabinet. Jeez little 610 that had wheels on it and prof carpenter had had me playing some tunes at school with a school band and uh, me and my forward thinking when it came time for the christmas vacation uh, i had not planned on how to get everything home so I'm literally walking with a guitar Jeez. and all of that stuff oh, like 10 steps at a time towards the house and I got three I got three or four blocks took a while and then a friend drove by that had a car and said hey you want to ride and say <laughs> sure well, sounds like a good idea good plan yeah I and mean, you lived a few miles away from from yeah. High, so that was not going to be an easy hike no on a good day yeah that's crazy I'm, I'm pretty sure that in today's market, I'd have been beat up, and every, <laughs> you every, probably would have. Everything been. would be gone. Yeah, yeah. You don't know. You don't know. It's like I always talk about horn players. No offense, buddy. Um, and I played with a couple of them through the years. That you know, you go in and you going back to setting up equipment. You know, you go in and you and a horn player just walks in with the horn and starts playing, and then. They leave and you're still trying to get everything out, but they're very integral to the sound and, and what you're doing. But it just always makes me laugh. That's it. Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, Prof, Prof Carpenter in his office. Mm -hmm. uh, my, my senior year, I was the drum major, and, oh. and Prof was a great guy. Prof was, you look just like Brad Pitt back then, I remember, with the long blonde hair. Prof was an entertainer, not just a teacher, but a good entertainer. But he'd, I'd be in his office, he'd go, Tommy? What are you doing this weekend? Well, I'm playing guitar. You know, got an amp. He goes, that right, son? That's good. He goes, and he'd point down at his trumpet case. He goes, that's what I take to the gig. And I just go, well. Yes, ain't right. Exactly. You know, I, I, what do you do? You know? <laughs> right, right. There's no right or wrong in it. No, there's not. No, there's not. Um, we were talking earlier about the clubs and all that stuff, and I mentioned a couple times uh different people in substantial evidence. That was one of the big bands back in the day. You remember, we're good friends with most of those guys now, if not big, all of them. Big, uh, they had the help of, I think Raymond Zoller had something to do with the radio station. I remember that. WVMI, but they wrote a couple of cute songs and put the money up, got it on a 45 record, and they get airplay. Mm -hmm. Local airplay. And so everybody knew their songs. Oh, yeah. And, and, and they were making one of your, your – you need to get Artie Desport in here if you yeah. want some stories. But they were making unheard of money. And they're kids. Kids. Wow. Yeah. What was their, what was their band's name? Sub, uh, Artie Desport. Yeah. Yeah. Substantial Evidence was the band. And, right. Uh, uh, that's where Emmett, Ted – Ted, he, he, Ted. he would have been Ted Tears back, back then. then. But they were playing really good songs, really good covers. They were good musicians. Pat, Pat on the 
That's that awesome. Deal. No, thank yeah. you for telling us that because I always the the past time of like creating a record and and getting it out. Yeah, I mean those days are gone now because everything's online. But it's like right. it's like if you really wanted to be heard, I mean, and if you oh, yeah. get to that level, that's an well, awesome way. Dick Clark had that traveling show besides American Bandstand, some show that came. Remember they came to uh, the stadium on Lee Street. Like, yeah. do you want to be a star or something? No, like no, that? it no. was this was this was like not where the action is, or maybe that was it, something like that. But he had like a bunch of like Fabian, and I mean it was back in that era that. 60s and i remember substantial evidence were, was on the bill with i remember big that, names. Uh, seeing a 1910 fruit gum company there yeah and the ohio express right there's two bubble gum they were things. there and yeah my wife and i were there we watching the show yeah in fact i had a record a, a greatest hits of bubble gum music and for for those that don't know what bubble gum music it, it was another name for real poppy music kind of no brain music just fun music it was for just to uplift you just just to have fun with it and i had this record of all these different bands but the one i was talking about whatever it is covered uh the gloria right and then you could listen to that Sh- and then Sh- shadows of night shadows of night that's it yes yeah that would you knew been, it all the whole that, time you're just that, leaving no, me hanging no you? i got a mind like a steel trap and that's <laughs> <laughs> girl that was it, Shadows of Night. Yeah. And I ended up doing that song. Uh, John Lee Hooker did a version of it with uh, Van Morrison. That's really good, John Lee Hooker, the king of blues, of the of the one-chord blues. And, uh, yeah, he puts a whole different spin on mm-hmm. it to go from this poppy bubblegum thing to this blues, especially with Van Morrison. But anyway, I, I regress. That happens. <laughs> So Thomas, where what do you have down the pipeline? Do you have any uh, books? I mean, gigs that are coming up, or um, uh, there there are some sprinklings throughout twenty three already. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, good, good. Yeah, that's kind of like where I'm at right now too. It's just off and on, off and on, which is nice, mm-hmm. especially with the kids. Oh yeah, well you you're you're a lot younger than us, and you have a budding family, a growing family. So that, that's do. where it's great. Yeah, you're you're a wonderful tummy. Thank you. Hank, where are you, what about you? What you got coming up? Ah, it's all over with me. This, this is our last episode I'm, before I'm the dead. new year. I'm just dead. I'm dead in the water. No, you're not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have your equipment? <laughs> I won't need it. I want one one out of many, many guitars. Just let me, okay. And I want you to sign it. I want to hang it up in the studio. Mm. Speaking of the studio, we're at 1600 Studios. It's upstairs uh, at the Mary C. Uh, Hill Tree Marketing has partnered with the city of ocean springs social social collective co and uh, twisted timber designs and the cultural arts center to develop this studio for creatives but this is where we're shooting our podcast i always want to plug that in because always yes yes it's it's a it's going to be a good music studio it is a good music studio and people that might want to record or make something mm-hmm. yeah we have a vocal booth talk, i haven't show, yeah. I have to show you that but we have a vocal booth and um it's mainly it's pretty much built right now for like singer songwriter stuff um but uh, down the line, we'll get into some more bigger bands. But um, yeah, it's just something I've been interested in. I'm trying to move into more of the producing, producing thing. That's great. So you were asking me about, yeah, 2023. So, that's right. Let's talk about 2023. Uh, I got a, I got a, a good bit of stuff already lined up, and uh, looking forward to it. You know, there's there's some reoccurring uh, events. Like uh, one, for example, would be that I play, uh, have played every year 
except for the pandemic, for Merit Health. I do their corporate party, their spring party, and a couple others like that, and then uh, Scarlet Pearl and, and some other stuff. So anyway, it's good. It's good. So it's been a good year, and hopefully for all of us, next year will be an even better year. That's right. I feel like 2023, we have a lot to look forward to. Uh, we're what? They're going two, three years away from the pandemic, which would be nice. Yes. And then we're getting, it feels like things are finally, uh, I'm starting to see different places build and, and, and different venues open up, which is really cool to see growth. So hopefully that's a lot, a lot of opportunities yes. for local musicians. Yes. Yes. I think so. Uh, does it seem to you guys, we, you know, we talk about the direction of, of music or say performing arts, um, is it more of a, a, are bands getting booked as much as they ever have or is, is it going to singles duos or is it the K word karaoke or is it, uh, what's your take on all of that? Um, good question. Good question. I, cause I'm, I'm, I'm in my own little bubble. I think a lot of musicians who play every weekend are in their own bubble because they can't go out and see what's out there. As That's much. true. Um, I feel like right now um i'm in a st- like me personally because i'm a you know just, i'm a singer i sing the standards um i'm in a very uh there's not a flood coming in i'm i'm doing pretty much what i usually do maybe a little bit less but that's kind of willingly because i have the kids and i don't want to be away all the time um but, but your I, music is timeless yeah but you know I, it'll it'll it will always be with us I, I can sing. I, I, I've chosen the music to sing for retirement. Like I can go to a retirement home. I actually sang at a retirement center uh, a couple weeks ago, which is really cool because there's these people. That, I know they loved it. it, it was, that's my favorite that's type a great, of gig. That's I, a great I'll, thing. I'll, as I'm walking away, people are grabbing my hand and be like, hey, I watched Frank Sinatra oh, wow. at Vegas this year, that year. And oh, I'm, wow. like, I'm like, wow. Like, that's these awesome. People, these you, people were you there. Keep, you're keeping those memories alive. It's so cool. That's yeah. my favorite thing. I was going to say something and it just went. <laughs> That's why we should always have a pad and pencil with us when we're. Well, we were talking thinking. about like, you know, do you see, are, are people, are bands being booked as frequently or, or as many or, as, or venues that are capable of having bands? Are they booking bands? Are they, is that. I think, I, w- I would think so, especially the smaller towns. Bay St. Louis and Ocean Springs, I know, are, are trying to build this music. I mean, with the ground zero, now the view, Mar- what is it? The view Marche? That's. That's trying to be built up. Yeah. Um, the casinos, I, I know Pearl, Scarlet Pearl has been pretty steady, but the, but um, I think bigger names, like big, like, you know, mm-hmm. I don't see a lot of, I don't know what's going on with the Coliseum these yeah, days. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't agree. know what's happening with that. I mean, Scott Henson would know probably because of the backline business, but right. Um, I mean, I'll see a billboard and I'll see somebody that I have no idea who they are. I'm the same way. Um, I don't watch much TV, so I don't watch the, game show things with music the voice and all those things i i so my wife will tell me i'll tell her who is that and she'll say oh that's so and so from this and that i just don't know but at the same time uh i played a couple gigs in the past two three months where on a weeknight like a wednesday night and i was Mm -hmm. going down the beach east passing the coliseum and it's packed and some big country guy was there and I, i but i never knew he was i didn't catch any billboards or publicity about it. It was like, yeah. oh, evidently 10,000 people knew that he was going to be there. Well, probably fans, and they'll just, now everything's yeah. online, so you don't have to put a billboard up, and they'll just right. sell out instantly. Yeah. 
Do you remember the marina at the Keesler? In sixth grade, uh, we had that band, little band with uh, neighborhood kids called Substantial, not Substantial Evidence, no, Points of Illusion. And our first gig was at, at the marina that my dad set up because somebody was having a, a retirement party. Mm -hmm. And we knew like four songs. And we just played the songs over and over. Those four songs? Yeah, and all the moms and dads and the kids, they right. just had a great time. That's great. That's great. That was my first gig. That's pretty cool. So at, the at the marina? At, uh, at Keesler Marina. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, we all used to ride our bicycles over there. And I lived, I lived uh, down the street from Thomas back then. And uh, Little League Baseball and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And uh, go ahead. Not too far from the Hills house over there on James Madison or wherever that was. Wait, James Madison off, off of Rodenburg? Off of Rodenburg. Yeah. Bill, is my family? Yeah, Bill Hill. Oh, so you, you remember where they... Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Bill Hill, Donna Hill, your aunt. Yeah, Donna. Woo! She was How about them apples? <laughs> she she you was, didn't count on that, did you, Jesse? She no. was a pretty and still a pretty pretty girl. She was I'll have to let her know that, you know. You can she, let her hear it. She yeah, she in sixth grade, she's one of the reasons I still stayed in school. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's podcast gold right there. That's some fun stuff right there. That's perfect. Yeah. There's they, always uh, that pretty girl that keeps you in the sixth grade. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all have one of those in our mind like right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. That kept me in sixth grade and then band at school. Mm -hmm. School band. I, I played drums seventh through twelfth mm -hmm. and played timpani my senior year. But high school for me every day, uh, I had something to look forward to. I had two periods of band. Yeah. And I barely got out of high school with my the rest of my grades because there was something about either the material or the presentation or the authority. The authority. I didn't you know, like the authority. You know, it was a lot like we want to make sure you know who's running this show. Right. And we're not really interested in what's in this book. Or what you think. Especially... Right. No. Yeah, that's the way it was. I mean, that was my, I, I had a great time in elementary school, from what I remember. Abe Lincoln sat across from me, and we talked about going to the theater, but that was another story, foretelling, <laughs> foretelling the future. But no, I, I liked elementary school because I found it interesting, and I liked my teachers. And it was a Catholic school. And then when I got to uh, public school, well, they didn't care if you studied or not. There was nothing to it. And, and then I just at that, you know, that when you're 13 and you start getting rebellious for mm -hmm. whatever reason, hormones rising or stupidity or whatever it is, you know, everything go to find yourself. Um, I still have friendships to this day. Um, people that I love, but the aspect of school, just, I just didn't like it. Maybe that's why we're musicians. Might be. Could be. We're, and we're basically our own boss. Yeah, I don't like to read at all. Um, you don't? I like to read. My wife, she thinks I'm dyslexic. She's a dyslexia therapist, so she thinks I'm dyslexic. And so, Does she really? Yeah, and um, and I'm actually going to get tested about it soon. It's It goes, 
like I always told people I'm ADD or ADHD, yeah. even though I didn't never had a formal diagnosis, but she really thinks I don't like to read at all. Um, I don't enjoy it at all. It's really weird. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably one of those reasons. Like I was the same way. I was that's a BC student. I wish I would have been in band versus play football. I tore both my knees up, but in band, I could at least had a head start versus me trying to figure it all out. Right. Out. Right. Now, yeah. now, of course, in band, we had the marching band right. as well. The monkey wrapped his tail around the bag pole. <laughs> ding, ding, you know, the marching music. <laughs> <laughs> the concert band is where we did Beethoven or we did Bach or we did That's things. That's great. We, we, we had things to where the orchestra did things. That's the and, true standards right there. That's and, the true standards. and for me, uh, one of the ways I play is based on just what I used to hear. I go, well, I'll play a part kind of like that would do this rhythmically. You know, it would just, it's, it's something that you don't practice licks off of record and get anything other than that, that right. you, you got to. And so it, that reminds me of my friend, Michael Vincent, uh, when I first met him 10 years ago or so, it was back when they had the jam sessions at the EO club and the stage coach and lots of jam sessions. And he, and he just comes up one day, he goes, Thomas, man, I notice that it doesn't matter who you're sitting in with, what song they're playing, what key it's in, you always manage to find something that's going to fit appropriately. And he goes, man, I want to, you know, take a lesson from you. Or, that's a you great, know, I, that's a great compliment. It's, yeah. a, it's, it's, it's the highest compliment anyone has ever given me. That's very good. And uh, so. But you've also taught, you teach guitar too, is, I, is that right? I teach uh, the mechanics right. of playing it. And then with what sense of humor I've got with a youngster, it's it's spending time with an elder. Right. And there'll be a handful of students that got it and go, and then there's a handful of them, well, I'm here because mom and dad right. say i got to well, be here. You know, True and, with everything. And I'll tell them, look, I understand. Let's just have some fun. Right. You know, yeah. have some fun. It's, but that's a, that's a great approach, especially with kids. I mean, uh, Make it fun. Who wants to sit there and belabor over? I'm here because, like you said, mom, my mom wants me to take guitar lessons. I don't want to play the guitar. But then there's probably those that, as well that come into it feeling that way. And then it's like, oh, wait, Tom, Thomas showed me. I didn't see it that way. And it and ignites an, an interest in it. One, one of my students, um, his father sent me a, a video. They had a little talent show at the school and 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 he's a popular kid and they're chanting his name and he finally starts playing his song and it was a popular song to where the girls and some of the guys were singing along with wow. him and then at the and everybody's doing it and so every once in a while you get that's really cool you get, and that boy is or person is ruined for life now because you've got a taste of that yeah, that stage high that stage high and those yeah little girls looking at me and boy that goes on 
it forever. <laughs> it will. It, it, <laughs> it might be what he what he needs to get him to the point to where if he and I sit down and say, "Well, you want to keep doing this?" You right. Know, well, so those things I was telling y'all about earlier. Let's right. learn to do things a little more correctly. Yeah. Right. Makes plenty sense and, to and, me. And, and you'll you'll do a lot better. And and there's always those those kids or people, not necessarily just children, that I finally found my niche. What was what was the band? Kind of sounded like uh, Grateful Dead. They, they had the video with the little girl. She's a she's a bee. Melon something melon, blind melon, chitlin melon. Recently? Watermelon. Watermelon. No, it, it was it was something melon. Anyway. This little girl, she's kind of an outcast. She 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 doesn't know who she is, and she's a little girl. She's uh, short and kind of chunky with glasses, and and then all of a sudden she's wearing this this bumblebee outfit. The video was, and then at the very end, she comes to a field, and this gate opens up, and is nothing but children dressed like her. It's it's it means so much on so many levels. She finally found her place, and and she's happy. I think it's Blind Melon. Blind Melon. Yeah. Not to be confused with, with Blind, Blind Melon Chitlin. Right. Yeah, one of the all time <laughs> best blues artists that ever lived. <laughs> all right. <laughs> now we're cooking, baby. The band is Blind Melon. Blind Melon. And it's the song is No Rain. All I can say yes. is that my life. I know exactly. And, what and, and when they go into so when, when the you band said comes Bumblebee, in, I was like, it, oh. Yeah, it's very Grateful Dead-ish. Yeah, it, it that, is. that sound. Wow, I didn't even think about that. That, yeah. was, a, that was a 90s song. Yeah, yeah. yeah great yeah. song, but I love that about what we were speaking. We'll have to watch that video now. Yeah. I, I appreciate stuff like that. Yeah, me too. Well, Thomas, this has been a, a treat to have you on the show. Yes, it uh, has. I, I would say you're a coast icon in many eyes, uh, people mm-hmm. who've played here locally and abroad. And it's been an honor to have you on our show. And hopefully we can have you on. Well, we're about to get video, so we'll definitely have you back on. And then I know you were talking about those small snippets of some, some songs that you have that I would love to highlight. Right. Uh, 
And uh, so thank you so much. Well, if, when we go to video, uh, video podcast, we're going to have Thomas back on with his guitar and he yes. can play some of that so stuff. Our that goal, acoustic. Yeah, we're definitely going to do our podcast and before the person leaves, yeah. we want to just, you know, record them and get a nice little video of them doing that stuff. Well, so. I'll get my carrot top haircut. <laughs> <laughs> well, once again, Thomas, thank you so much. My name is Jesse Hill. And my name is Hank Berman. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Jesse.